Praise the Lord, church family. God is good, and all the time, I truly believe that. What about you? Some people say it just because it's a nice saying, but I, I truly believe that. And I'm definitely privileged and honored to be here today amongst family and friends. I, I see some recognizable faces. I have one of my teacher friends here from NDAA. She's taught my children. Amen. So we thank you, Sister Smalls, for being here today. And of course, it's even better to see your smiling faces. Some of you, I can tell you're smiling through your masks. Amen. Your eyes are kind of squinched. That means you're smiling. Amen. So good to see that. Again, I bring you greetings from the Texas Conference, where Elder DeMorris is the executive president. Elder David Montoya is the secretary, and Elder Randy Terry is the executive treasurer. They all asked me to tell you all thank you for your prayers and support. I also want to say thank you to Elder Stewart and his team of elders for inviting me. He doesn't know that I know he had a motive for me being here today. First, I must say how, um, how uh, on top of things, you know, he's, he's, he, he doesn't take, I'll think about it. He wants a date. Oh, y'all are getting quiet. You didn't know your elder was that way? Amen. There's no shame in that. Amen. They call it assertiveness. And thank you for being that way, Elder Stewart, and holding me and, and encouraging me to get a date to be here with God's people. I don't take it for granted when you say uh, uh, the, the, the pastor from the conference. You know, I, I miss being pastor, amen? amen. <laughs> I do. You know, one reason why I miss being pastor is because, well, I, I never thought I would be in the conference. Truth is, I never wanted to be in the conference. Third generation, Seventh-day Adventist preacher's kid like myself, I tend, sister, to look a little negatively at the conference. And because of my sinful ways, God has me serving in the conference. <laughs> and I just want you to know, church friends, that there's sinners at the conference, amen? But there's sinners in our churches, amen? As a matter of fact, the Bible says all have what? And what? come short of the glory of God. And that's why I mean it. When, when, when our executive team says, thank you for your support and prayers, we need it. We solicit your continuation to send prayers our way because we're doing the same for you. Amen? And of course, we know that uh, we, we, know that we uh, are in search of a pastor for the Garland Seventh Adventist Church. And I just want to say this to you. If you're expecting the conference to get you all a pastor, well, we're going to fail you because we can't. Someone's starting to frown at me. But understand this, even though the conference can't get you a pastor, God can. Oh, I knew you'd get excited. You see, I don't know what your next pastor will be or look like, but God knows as a matter of fact, I don't even have an idea how long it's going to take. Yeah, it takes usually between three and five months, but I don't know the exact date. But God knows. I trust him and I encourage you to trust along with us that God knows when, who, and also the date that's going to happen. So I want you to claim those promises in your word like I do, knowing that God is going to give us a pastor here at the exact date and time based on his divine appointment. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Now, church, my hope and prayer is that after our message today, that I believe God gave me, you will, like our title says, you will trust the process. Trust the process. Father in heaven, Lord, as I come before your people today, 
first I want to thank you for choosing me. Because, Lord, you, you could have chose a child if you had wanted to. But, Lord, I just ask and pray that you will hide me behind the cross so that all that is said by me, Lord, you will be seen. Lord, I pray that as I'm, as I'm sharing from your holy word today, I pray that you will be glorified. Your people here at Garland Seven Adventist Church, I pray that they will be edified. And I also pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that the enemy will be horrified. In Jesus' name, let everybody say, amen, amen. amen. You know, I, whenever I get nervous, I like to sing. Amen. I like to sing. I want to sing a song with you. I don't want to solo. I want to sing a song with you. The words, the, the song title is, uh, Into My Heart, Come Into My Heart, Come Into My Heart, Lord Jesus, Come In Today, Come In To Stay, Come Into My Heart, Lord Jesus. Let's sing that song together. We're going to sing it a cappella. Here we go. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart. Lord G. And once Jesus comes into your heart, then we ask him to shine out of our life. Let's sing that, that next chorus. Shine out of my life. Come on, church. Shine out of my life. Shine out of my life. Lord Jesus, shine out. Shine out. To shine out always, always shine out of my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. I feel better already. Let's get into the word today. Oh, I hear young people. Praise the Lord for young people. Amen. If it wasn't for young people, Garland would be a dead church. Amen. Gets me excited to be around young people and to hear them. And I just want to say that's one reason why I'm excited to be here today. Because I knew I was going to see young people. And it's good to see them when they're smiling, when they're joyful. Let's show some love for our young people here at Garland. Amen. Now, church, I asked you to give, show love for the young people, not for me. So now let's show it for the young people, amen? Show some love for God's young people here at Garland Seventh-day Adventist Church, amen. We just want you to know, young people, we don't take your presence here for granted. With all of the vices and, and, and stressors and peer pressure, you know, your parents, they, we don't realize how much more difficult you all have it than we had it. Now, some of our parents, we might not say it to our kids, but parents, we know in our hearts, we, we couldn't even afford a computer back when we were kids. Amen? That was for the upper class. You know, now everybody can have a computer, and all you got to do is touch a few buttons and sayings and what you see and not to mention just the stressors not just in our public schools but even in our Adventist schools pressure is real and that's why again we just want to say we love you young people and we praise God for you but without any further ado let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 8 1 Samuel chapter 8 1 Samuel chapter 8 I'm going to read in your hearing verses 1 through 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'm going to read in your hearing verses 1 through 8. If you have 1 Samuel chapter 8 verses 1 through 8, will you please say amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to read in your hearing that the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting at verse 1, it says, 
when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me, their king. As they have done the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Again, we're focusing on trusting in the promise, uh, the process. Trusting the process. As we start off on this story, when you notice verses 1, I believe 2 and 3, what you're seeing here is a process that is in the making of being changed. You see, the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, and we know the story, God chose Abraham along with, uh, I'm sorry, he chose Moses along with his cousin Aaron. And of course, we know what happened. He led them out of Egypt. And then, of course, right before uh, Moses gets to the promised land, he, he, he strikes the rock and he is taken out. He, he has to pay for, the punish, uh, for his consequence. And then Joshua took over to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Now, in case you did not know this, the type of government or the type of system that God had initially established with the children of Israel was a theocracy. Someone say theocracy. Theocracy. That is none other than a word that is, well, it has two or three characteristics or definitions, but if you want to simplify the, what a theocracy, theocracy is, you and I know this, many of us, we know that, number one, in a theocracy government, your officials are chosen by God. Okay? The officials are chosen by God, and also officials that are chosen by God are divinely led by God. So this isn't something where you just say, well, we need a pastor, and this is who I want. <laughs> Oh, I've got to get started already. Amen. Uh, or, 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 or this is the type of system where you say, well, I got a friend uh, 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 back home that, that we, we, uh, we, oh, here we go. We, we want to bring him here because, well, what he did back home, he can do here at Garland. Christian friends. When you have a theocracy, it's not the type of system where you can say, well, I know Carlton Bird is a, is a president of Southwest Region, but I have some other big name pastors that we can choose for Garland. And when they come to Garland, oh, we're going to grow. We're going to bust out of the seams because those individuals are going to be our pastor and we're going to grow and God is just going to bless us and we're going to just be a happy, happy church. Oh, somebody smiling, saying, Pastor Reynolds, that's not a bad idea, but that's not God's way. 
That might be man's way, but not God's. So again, if we go back to our scripture, again, after Moses and Joshua, they, they finished their, their, their uh, leadership of the children of Israel, God formed this theocracy, and the Bible says, and actually you can read it in the, in the book of Judges, where there are basically 12 judges. Someone say judges. There were judges that were the leaders of the children of Israel. Now, you'll see 12, but the common three that you probably all know, well, first of all, the first one is Othniel. Now, you may not know him, but he was the first judge that God chose to rule or to govern his people. But the other three that I know you all have heard of is Deborah, that's one, Gideon, and of course one of the most popular ones was Samson. He was actually a judge. But the truth is that after Samson, the next one, the next one and technically the last one was Samuel. He came after Samson. Samuel, though, was unique because not only was he a judge, the Bible says that he was a, a priest and he was a prophet. That's a bad brother, amen? <laughs> a priest, a judge, and a prophet. So again, after Moses and Joshua, the leadership concluded, and then God established this process that God would have a theocracy system led by judges. But notice what happens in the story. The Bible says in verse 1, now remember now, Samuel's the judge, he's, he's the prophet, he's the priest, but the Bible says that when Samuel grew old, verse 1, he appointed his sons as leaders of Israel. Wait a minute. We just said earlier that in a theocracy government or system, the official is chosen by God. The official is led by God. But the Bible says in verse 1, that's not what happened. Samuel, he chose his own two boys to rule as leaders of Israel. Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor Ronalds, why didn't Samuel trust the process that God had already established? Was it because, number one, he wanted to hook up his kids? Maybe his kids went to Swayu and or Oakwood, or Loma Linda University, or maybe they graduated high school from, from CTA or NDAA, so they were a little extra holier to lead God's people. Maybe Samuel thought that, well, his, his boys, his, his boys, you know, maybe they were destined to lead because the Bible, the, the, the dictionary says that, uh, Bible dictionary says that the definition or the meaning behind the name Joel is the Lord is God. For Abijah, the definition, the meaning behind his name was the Lord is my father. So maybe because of his name, Elder, he just felt, well, hey, Look at these guys, powerful names. Surely God doesn't mind if I just appoint them to lead my people. Christian friends, maybe, just perhaps, maybe Samuel had his children to lead uh, by his desire because he wanted to continue his legacy. Well, I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist. Why not? put my children in leadership position. You know, my last name is, 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 is Bird. <laughs> you know, everybody knows me. Or my last name is Fordham, or my last name is Craig, or, or DeMorris. Surely, Texas Conference wouldn't just mind if I put my children over his people. 
keep my legacy going. And then last but not least, maybe Samuel wanted to help God pick the leaders of Israel. Now, Christian friends, before we start looking too negatively at, at Samuel, I want to ask you, how many of us are guilty of not truly trusting God's promise for us, and we want to help God? We're talking about God, the King of kings, the lords of all lords. We're trying to help him? That's just like us helping an ant. <laughs> Pastor, that's not a good example. That's the best I can think of at this second. That's like us thinking that we're all that because, well, you know what? I, 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 I have this education or I have this amount of money and I'm, this, I'm so intelligent and smart. And all that you have is not really because of your own goodness. It's because of God's goodness to you. But sometimes we take our successes and our strengths and we actually believe that it was us. Well, you got to understand, you know, I'm in the conference because, you know, I understand the, all the theology of Adventism. I understand all the bureaucracy. No, I'm here only because God ordained me to be here. Truth is, I was coming up here today. I said, Lord, I still don't believe I'm in the conference. First of all, you put me where I didn't want to be. But now that I'm here, Lord, it's, it's pretty good. Actually, it's wonderful. I get to meet a lot of people all over the Texas conference and people smile at me because I'm, I'm one of the good conference workers because my job is to get a pastor for churches that are vacant. So when I come to church, everybody loves David Runnels. Yeah. It's my boss and those executive guys that they deal with the hard part, amen? <laughs> but not me. When I come here, I'm like, oh, Lord, we're going to get together after church, aren't we? We're going to get to church afterwards. We're going to talk a little bit about the process. And we're all going to smile and we're going to get on our knees and pray. And all I got to do is put all the pressure on God. I'm just a spoke person. That's all I am. And that's why, again, I say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. What do you say? And see, that's why I'm so glad to be here because I already know I'm amongst family. I was here a year ago about this time. And as I look in the audience, I got to say, God is good. If you remember, it was about a year or so when we were here and we didn't know what this pandemic was about. I'm going to get back to the sermon, but I have to say this because as I was looking at the board, I saw a name that all of a sudden I was like, oh, Lord, Letty Pena. She's not only a mother, but she's a widow. Lord. As awesome as it is for me to be here, there are still people that are going through issues since the last time I was here, and they're hurting. They're dealing with pain, or they're dealing with loneliness, or they're just dealing with all types of weight. And I just want you to know that the same God, the same awesome God that all through the Bible always came through and met people's needs. He's the same God that'll do it for you and me. And I just want to reach out before we get back to our message that no matter come what may, no matter what you're dealing with, I want you to know that God is faithful. You may not understand it. You may not even believe it or even think that it's possible, but God is faithful. Well, I just don't, I can't tell. Well, that's your issue. God is still faithful. Well, if he's so faithful, then what? Stop. Even during our difficult times, God is still faithful. Please keep that in your mind because, again, some of us, we, we, we love to praise the Lord when things are going good or when, when we paid our bills at the end of the month and even had a, a, a couple of dollars left over. Oh, God is good, but when you don't have your money altogether, God is still good. I believe that. I've experienced for myself, and I believe there's others that know God uh, is great, and he's great all the time. Amen? Amen? But let's keep going. Let's keep going because, church, even though we don't know why Samuel didn't trust the prom 
process, I think, again, we need to ask ourselves, are we guilty of trying to do things our way instead of trusting God? That's personal now. Don't look at your elder or don't look at other ministry leaders. Look at yourself. We're talking about self-examination. You know what I mean, though, as far as trusting God. I mean, the, the, the stress or the demands of life, uh, uh, instead of staying faithful or, or confident that God will provide, instead of stressing, uh, we, we choose to be stressing instead of resting in Jesus. That's Matthew 11. We get bad news or we pout and we doubt instead of trusting in God. We mess up. We feel like giving up instead of trusting in God's grace. You'd be surprised how many Christians right now, I'm going to get personal, how many Seventh-day Adventist, Adventist Christians still aren't sure if they're saved. Well, pastor, you can't be talking about you're saved because, you know, you don't, you don't want to sound boastful or you, you don't want to sound like you're, you're assuming or taking it for granted. Christian friends, I'm here to tell you right now, your salvation isn't in how great or how beautiful or how intelligent you are. You did know that, right? If you came here to church on Sabbath so you could make sure you are uh, 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 going to get to heaven, you are obeying or honoring the Sabbath for the wrong reason. We're Seventh-day Adventists, not so we can go to heaven. We're Seventh-day Adventists, honoring, resting, worshiping, praising God on his holy day because, number one, it's a gift from God that he gave us. I'm going to add another, not responsibility, but what should be another part of keeping the Sabbath. Reading scripture or focusing on scripture that will help you gain more confidence in the salvation that Christ has given you. That was the hard part of being a uh, Seventh-day Adventist pastor because when I was a kid, and some of you all know what I'm saying, if you're 40, no, 50 and above, you remember those days in the 70s and, and, and the late 80s where, oh, if you're not vegetarian. <laughs> Young folk, y'all don't get it because thank God the theology is changing more into what the truth is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you don't know the 2300 days, Oh, that's not salvific. Well, you got to understand the state of the dead, and, and, and you, you, we got to tell people, hey, you, uh, they're, they're, they're sleeping. But that's not, that's truth, but it's not salvific. Our salvation is in Christ, and by faith we accept his gift. But guess what? By faith, we believe that through the Holy Spirit, God is going to grow us into the type of character we should have. Yeah. Did you get that, church? Yeah. See, when I was a kid, it was, no, you get baptized and you better act right. Because if you don't act right, I'm going to tell your parents, number one, and then number two, you're not going to make it. Some are smiling because they went through the same thing as me. But praise God, understanding truth for yourself. And Christian friends, again, like I said in Sabbath school class, I'm not here to say, well, good works or we, we, we shouldn't have a good diet. I'm not talking about that. All I'm saying is when we love and when we trust God and his promises in his holy word, any changes that God instills on us, it really wouldn't be as difficult because we're doing it with the right mindset, which is, Lord, I'm not doing it to keep from going to hell. I'm doing this because you've already saved me. And in order for me just to show my gratitude, Lord, I want to be obedient. However, I can't do it on my own, but your Holy Spirit can do it in me. I got friends right now that's like, Runnels, you're a pastor? <laughs> do they know how you used to be? 
do you know some of the things, do they know some of the stuff you've done? Do you know some of the stuff you've said? And parents, while you're hugging your kids, you know you're the same way like me. Pastor Ronald, you're right. I, I just want to keep it from my kids because, Lord, I don't want this out. Thank God our issues stay with God. Because if our issues were all broadcasted, you and I wouldn't be here right now. We'd be too embarrassed. But God is faithful because we, as we confess, he forgives then after he forgives, he says, okay, stay on my team. Let's get to work. But Christian friends, again, when we're, when we're talking about this, this situation we're, we're dealing with, what, what, what Samuel didn't realize is, like the wisest man in the world said, trust in the Lord, Samuel. Trust in the Lord. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge. One version says, submit to him. And when we do that, God will direct our path. You see, Samuel, he didn't trust the process because he wanted to do things his way. But notice what happens in verses 4 through 5 because, and, and this I want to just unpack just a little bit longer because it says so all the elders 1 Samuel chapter 8 I'm going to read 4 and 5 so all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah they said to him Samuel you are old and your sons do not follow your ways now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. I want you to see this picture with me. Look in your brain and look, or use your sanctified imagination and, 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 and picture the scene where the elders, by the way, the elders were more than just elders. They are kind of similar to how we are in our, in our denomination, where the elders are representatives of the church they minister at. And what these elders were doing is they were sharing from their heart what they felt, but they're also sharing what the people were telling those gentlemen. In other words, they're saying, look, Samuel, and I can imagine all these elders, maybe 30, 40, 50 of them, coming around Samuel, and, and, the, and Samuel's in the middle, and, and, and all these elders are around. And number one, they say, Samuel? Number one, with all due respect, you're too old. Samuel, he had more gray hair than Pastor Reynolds has. <laughs> and I might be old, but I'm not as old as Samuel was back then, amen? And the Bible says that not only, and this is tough, this is a tough one, not only are you too old, Samuel, but you have bad kids. Nothing worse than a pastor with bad kids. <laughs> pastor, why are you saying that? Because I'm saying how many people feel when they have their pastor. Bad kids, they're running around and they're they playing on the piano and they're getting a the mic and can you hear me, can you? <laughs> pastor, control your kids. But I want to tell you something about pastors with kids that are quote unquote bad. It's another thing when they're three or four years old. And I even hate to call them bad. Forgive me for saying that. We, we don't want to say that about our kid. We might want to use unruly. No, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but it's not about being bad. But let's just say they have a lot of energy. And they, they have a difficult time listening. They have a difficult time following instructions. They have a difficult time sitting still. But parents, if we're honest, even as adults, we still are that way with God. That's why I enjoy coming here. Past elder stewards said, Pastor, you don't have to sugarcoat nothing. You just share what the Lord puts on your heart. And remember this, church, as I'm talking to you, I'm, ta I'm not pointing at you, but just know, even if you feel like I'm pointing at you, I got three looking at myself. How about that? Say we're all in this together. 
we really are in, all in this together. And I want you to know that that next pastor may have some young children. That pastor and his wife may have children that have a hard time sitting still or, or, or being quiet like these lovely young ladies. Of course, they're not babies anymore. They're teenagers or close to it. How were they when they were two years old? They was everywhere, weren't they? Yeah, that's what the mother said. Yeah, that's how they were, Pastor Ronald. So were mine. But here's the difference. These elders are saying, Samuel, your kids are grown-ups, and not only are they uh, really just, they're bad kids, but man, they're, they're basically just perverting the ministry. They're taking bribes. They're acting inappropriately as unmarried men with other females. I know all the young people know what I'm talking about, but that's just my area. Amen? Don't want to expose too much. But again, they were not being Christ-like. And Church, I want you to know this. No matter, no matter which pastor God brings to Garland. I want you to know that if God said it and God ordained it, then all will work out for the good. Our goal is to get out of God's way and trust his process for this church. And I want you to know something, church, that, uh, again, what, 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 what really made this even worse, what even made this worse is the fact that not only did they want a king, they didn't say, hey, we want to move on from your sons because we want God in heaven to be our king. No. They said, we basically want a human being to be our king. We want to be like the other nations. So in other words, they wanted to leave the theocracy model and go to the monarchy model. They wanted to be, you know, like, like what is that, in, in, in England, you know, where they have the royal family and they have the king and the prince. And because they didn't trust the process, they went to one of the lowest levels they could go to. They basically said, Samuel, we don't want you anymore. We sure don't want those boys of yours. But even worse, we want to be like the other nations and have a king. Christian friends were still living in an era where even more so, people want to be like other people. There used to be a time when you could tell a Christian from a non-Christian. Some will go as far as to say there was a time when you could tell a Seventh-day Adventist from other people. But Christian friends, what's bigger and the biggest issue is not even, quote, unquote, looking like an Adventist or looking like that. The biggest thing is there used to be a time when you could tell the love of Jesus in a person. Now, all of a sudden, we can, we can justify whatever we want to do and even throw a little scripture and act like we're good for not doing it God's way. Blessed are the meek. Well, yeah, he said, blessed are the meek. But you got to understand, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a strong Christian. I'm in the Lord's army, and I, I'm going to represent. But wait a minute. That's not what God is saying. You know, trust in the Lord. Well, I trust in the Lord, but you know our mindset here in America. Pull up your own bootstrap. That's not the gospel. But Pastor Ronalds, many of us, that's been our theme as we come into America. Pull up our own bootstraps and, and, and we're, we're going to fight hard and work hard. Christian friends, that's not of Christ. I'm not bashing the motto. I'm just saying don't use that as the gospel. Because the gospel says, Jesus says, hey, look, come unto me, all ye that are laden, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christian friends, the reason why the people no longer wanted God is because they didn't trust him as their leader anymore. So, again in 6 verses 8, 
he says, but when God, but when they said this, uh, oh, verse five, they said to him, you are old, but verse six, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this just please Samuel, and he prayed to the Lord, and knows what the Lord says, and the Lord told him, listen, Samuel, to all that the people are saying to you, it's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me. They rejected their God. They disrespected their God. They basically were slapping God in the face. They were basically spitting on God saying, I don't want you anymore. But Christian friends, before we start lashing out at the children of Israel, before we start looking at how silly and, and, and just stupid they were, I want to ask you, are there times when you have rejected the Lord? Are there times when you know, husbands, that God is saying, look, your wife did what she did or said what she did. Let the attitude go. There are people right now, I, I wonder if there are people right now that you know God is saying we have to forgive your uncle or your aunts or your cousins for what they said or did two, three decades ago. When you refuse to be submissive to the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting God also. You are. God is clearly saying, hey, young people, I know your parents aren't, aren't perfect, and I know there's some things they could have done better to be a better parent, but I'm telling you now, those are still my children, your mom and dad, and I want you to let it go. My brother, when we choose to let it go, not only does it help us by releasing that baggage on us, but also honors God by being obedient. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. You know, I, 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 it's just hard. It's, it's difficult to forgive people when they do me wrong. And then, Lord, to top it off, uh, uh, they're a Democrat. <laughs> or oh, they're a Republican. And they always want to argue about wearing masks. Well, they always want to get look at me crazy because I do wear a mask. And Lord, I'm sick of them at my job. And God is saying, look, that's still my son, my daughter. Let it go. You still, Lord still wants you to speak to them. Well, it's so difficult. Life is difficult. But we're talking about is not rejecting God. You see, you see uh, people, here's the bottom line. Psalms 18, verse 30. I'm actually getting ready to close. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Our job, ladies and gentlemen, young people, is to trust God at his word. Your mother may not do it, or your grandparents may not have done it. But God is saying, my son, my daughter, trust me at my word. And see, once that happens, you and I will see the change. But here's the key. The key is, what are we really going to do? Are we going to submit? Or are we still going to just go ahead and justify the actions or the way of thinking that we have? And, and God just has to understand it. God just has to know that's how I am. Church, that's one of the things that are deceiving people in our church all the time where, no, God doesn't have to understand it. What we have to do is be submissive and let God have his way. Oh, but pastor, it's too hard for me to do that. That means you got to pray more. Oh, pastor, it doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense. Why is it in God's word? Oh, but pastor, you just don't understand. I may not, but God does. His word doesn't change. His word is flawless. Our job is to say, Lord, you, you know my heart. You know my pride. 
You know some of the inner things in my heart that, like my brother said, we, we, we can be in our cars and we might not be arguing with our spouse. We just have, some of us were still thinking about Monday morning work. Some of us are still worried and stressed out about this virus or, or just the, the, the direction of this country. And we're so engrossed in it, we can't turn ESPN off or Fox off. And some of us were right up until a minute before sunset. Well, I need to know what's going on. What do you need to know what's going on for? Well, remember now, I, I, we, we, we got we to be prepared. You're not prepared? Christian friends, I'm here to tell you. All these vices and temptations and distractions, God is saying, please, my brothers and my sisters, my young ladies and my young boys, or young men, I want you to not stress out so much. Because when you stress out, you're actually focusing more on your issue than on me. When you have major anxiety and you're so engrossed on the issues that are if, uh, that are on top of you or that are, are holding you back, you're focusing more on that than you are on God. Christian friends, I just want you to know, we serve a God that is so great that even though we don't know how he's going to make all this wrap up and how he's going <laughs> to keep us on the winning side, the Bible says he will. Amen. Romans 8. Romans 8, you know, we're more than conquerors to them that love the Lord and are called what? According to what? There you go. These are scriptures we should know because the bottom line, church, is this. It's God's word and trust and faith in his word that's going to keep us as we near the end. And my hope and prayer is that no matter come what may, we are going to trust the process. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be with your lovely children today. Lord, by the body language that I witnessed, there are people that went through some of the same stressors that I went through. Not sure if they're good enough. Not sure if they can make it. Not sure if they can take it. But Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that everybody that's here by the sound of my voice will know and, and, and claim the promises that, Lord, there's no condemnation unto those that have Christ. Lord, sometimes we feel we got to help you or sometimes we think you, you need to change the process. Lord, forgive us for our arrogance, our pride. Lord, just keep continuing to work in us. Lord, I just ask that you will help not only me, but also the Garland Church family to accept or to trust, not accept, well, accept, but to trust the process that you have, not only for us getting a pastor here at Garland, but also trust the process that you have for their life. As a matter of fact, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to make a general appeal. That's my first appeal. If you want to tell God, God, there are times I don't, I haven't trust your process, or I want to help you do your process, or I want to be in control of my own process. Number one, I want you to forgive me. If you want to tell God, Lord, forgive me for trying to take your role Ask God in my life and help me by your Holy Spirit to accept your process for me. If you want to tell God that today, will you just stand? Now that we're standing, praise the Lord that's standing. Lord, what that means is number two, Lord, not just today on your beautiful Sabbath day, but each and every day, 
Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you're, uh, uh, you, you, you will help me to submit to the Holy Spirit as he leads and guides me in your process. If you want to tell God that today, could you just raise your hand? Lord, not me, but your Holy Spirit in me. Help me not to get in the Holy Spirit's way, but just to be submissive to the process the Holy Spirit has for me. Amen. Please put your hands down. Last but not least, this is a more specific, more specific, more specific appeal. If there's someone here, a man or woman, boy or girl, that needs to obey God's command and join this church family here at Garland. Maybe you just want to get baptized. Maybe, okay, yeah, you want to get baptized, but before you get baptized, if you're just saying, I need to have studies with the team of elders and then understand the process that God has for my life more clearer. Is there anybody here that needs to obey God's command, that needs to obey the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit to give their hearts to Christ and obey his command of being baptized or having Bible studies? If you're here today, could you raise your hand? Man or woman, boy or girl, just raise your hand high. Someone say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Is there another person, a man or woman, boy or girl, that's like, Lord, I'm tired of trying to do the process my way. Every time I do the process my way, sooner or later, I realize that I failed. And I'm usually, all the time, I'm worse off than what I was before. And I need to stick with your process. Is there one more person that's just saying, Lord, I want to obey. I want to be a part of your process and obey your leading for me. And be a part of God's family here at Garland, but also to be baptized. Is there another one, a man or woman, boy or girl? Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, we fall short of the mark so many times, but Lord, thank you. Lord, sometimes, many times, we get in your way. Thank you. Lord, sometimes I do not trust in you and I just get discouraged. Thank you. Lord, I look back at my past and I realize how undeserving of life I am. Thank you. Lord, I can recall so many stupid and ignorant decisions I made in my life. And Lord, you still love me and you still work through me. Thank you. Lord, so many times we think we got it all together in our hearts and, and, uh, uh, and we try to, to, to portray that to, to, to people that see us. But Lord, in our hearts, you know how broken we are. You know how many times we get guilty or we feel discouraged. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. In Jesus' name, let everybody say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Please be seated.